What up, folks? This is your boy GQ, the shy boy. Welcome to another episode of Talk That Mess, the gentleman's perspective to shit that happens. Today, we're going to be discussing the principles of a compound effect. The compound effect is a book that I've read several times, and I thought it would be really cool to do a podcast on it because there's a lot of great principles and a lot of great thought-provoking um, ideas uh, presented in a book that applies to everyday life, man. So I invited a couple of friends that I know. Um, I perceive them to be strong links in my circle of network, my network circle. And I also thought it'd be important to get a woman's perspective as well as a gentleman's perspective aside from myself to talk that shit on how the compound effect affects their lives and how the principles um, affects their strategy of their life and how they go on to do other things. So, you know, just, just an overarching um, synopsis of what the book is about in principle is rooted in the understanding that you already know exactly what you need to do to succeed. You don't need to learn anything else. You don't need to take another class. You don't need to get stuck in that perpetual mouse wheel of gathering information before you start executing the strategies to which you already know that you need to do, <laughs> basically. So all we need is to take the existing information that we already know and put that into an executable plan and work that plan to create new behaviors, new habits that over time orientate new ideas and small successes into much larger ones. I invite you to take this ride with us as we open up and be transparent and talk that mess. I had I had a uh, awakening like in 2013 and I was like man I need to I need to start changing it up like as far as like the people that I'm with hanging around stuff like that so I figured you can't just like automatically start hanging around better quality people you know just because one wants to do it you have to start putting yourself in situations where you can meet somebody of quality um to surround yourself around so I started that started for me like in 2014 excuse me I joined Toastmasters. I joined um, a top 10 club Toastmasters uh, called the Brightwood Ashburn Overcomers. And within like a couple of months of being there, I, I was like the only dude in the membership. And then that's how I met Maurice. Maurice, he comes in with a couple of his guys and they checking it out. And uh, after the meeting, he comes over. Well, I go over to him and I'm like, what's up, brother? How you, how you doing? You know, my name is Quentin Brunch, blah, 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 whatever. So he was like, he's like, Hey man, let me, let me, let me ask you a question. He's like, this is cool and all, but, uh, but what am I in at? <laughs> and I was like, what? Well, I'm standing right here, dude. I'm like, okay. So that's why we need you to join, bro. Cause we trying to take this 
to a whole nother level. We need to bring some testosterone into the environment uh, to get a, a balance. And, um, and plus, it's just a good place to start meeting good people or whatever. So long story short, he and I started like sharing ideas, brainstorming, mind mapping, doing a lot of, we, we did a lot of talking like for the first year. And then I think it, it was 2017, last year, Natasha, uh, he and I, we, we hosted a cash flow meetup game every fourth Saturday of 2017. We, we didn't miss a Saturday except for November, which was due to the holiday season of uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. But from January to October, we was on every fourth Saturday without fail. Just being there, trying to be a resource for the community and have a little fun at the same time. And so that's what that was. That's how I met Maurice. And I know that Maurice, he's, he's a go-getter. This dude, he is one of the mindset that, you know, you, you formulate a thought, you write a plan, and then you execute the action. He's doing that uh, as a current real estate investor. I know that for a fact. This man left his job to become a union um, apprentice electrician um, just so he can get more of an understanding of the real estate or the different processes and um, aspects of real estate so he can become multidimensional. Um, and of course, the reason why he joined Toastmasters to begin with was because he was always wanting to be an inspired speaker. Everybody ain't going to be about that life. They, they talk about that shit, but everybody ain't going to be about it. But it's going to be one, maybe one person, maybe two in the room, um, depending on how many people are there, that's going to be on what you want. And then you're going to gravitate to that. And that's, that's going to be the start of your, uh, your new network of, of uh, replacing your um, weak links. So to speak. Yeah, because I've cut everyone off. I need new links. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I always tell people, like, uh, you ain't got to, I don't like shit like the whole concept of no new friends, right? Because that's some bullshit. Like, people change. And just as people elevate and rise, some people fight to stay grounded at the same level they've always been. So a natural aspect of change is that if I'm, if I'm going to fly, I got to let go of everything that weighs me down. And that includes bad relationships. So it's natural that you ain't going to stay with your day, all your day ones. And you can't expect not to make new friends because new friends, you know, it, it just shows the elevation of your lifestyle and your character. So anyway, uh, Reese and, and to my fellow uh, world out there, let me tell you about Natasha Ashford. So again, keeping with that same concept of positioning yourself in the agency for change, going back to Boston, I remember I was curious. I was so, so infatuated with the, um, with the landscape and just the environment that I was staying in for those two weeks. I, um, I got on indeed.com, which is like a, a job, a job search website based on my current skill set and my experience that I have. I was looking up, um, what kind of jobs, uh, they had available out there and, and how much they paid. I come up on this one position and and the starting hourly rate for that position was uh sixty five dollars an hour. I was like, shit. 
$65 an hour with no OT, like 40 hours a week. Come on, man. That, that'll get you right. So the only thing that was missing from that skill set that I didn't have, because I had everything that they want except for one thing, and that was a PMP certification. And so I'm like, damn. So a person with my exact same skill set can get $65 an hour if I had a PMP. So anyway, I decided to start looking for opportunities to try to get that experience and, and, and undergo this path of um, project management. So one of the first things that I did was when I came back to Chicago, I joined the Chicago chapter of the Project Management Institute. Every month, the, the chapter has a dinner, which is uh, an opportunity to meet other project management professionals in your region, as well as uh, employers that's looking to bring on project managers and to get some continuing uh, education and opportunities for, um, for PDUs, for people that have to maintain their designation. So anyway, um, I saw this veteran group get up and present a project that they have been working on to the, um, to the, um, to the whole chapter. And I was like, damn, man, these, these cats are vets. I'm a vet. So I rode up on them. Like I rode up on this one brother. I broke guy protocol race and I went, we, and I started speaking to him in the bathroom because I was in a restaurant. He came in the restroom and I'm like, man, I know this ain't something we're supposed to do, but this is an opportunity. So I was like, Hey brother, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, how can I get into that program that you, uh, that you in or whatever, man, that dude, we washed our hands, came out the bathroom. We shook up. He walked me right to the table of the people that coordinate that program and introduced me to him as if we was already friends. And they was like, yo, so tell us about you. I told him a little, little elevator pitch. Boom. He was like, well, we could put you in a class uh, that's starting next week. I started the class in the fall. And in that class uh, is where I met Natasha. I was on a group that was really powerful with a bunch of smart individuals. And uh, I thought we had a great project that we was going to win and present to that dinner, which was like my first experience to the whole deal. Um, but we unfortunately lost. We, we lost to uh, Natasha's group. And, hey, us. <laughs> and actually, she was, I, I don't know, were you the project manager for your group? I was the project manager for my group. So she was the project manager for the group. And they, in turn, got a chance to present their project to a bunch of industry professionals and experts in project management. And I knew right then and there. I mean, we had been, you know, sidebarring a little bit in class anyway throughout the, that time. But I knew at that point that, you know, there was a connection as far as, uh, you know, a relationship, somebody that you can, you know, bounce ideas off, similar to like I had with you, Reese. So I went, okay, we exchanged information and we stayed in touch ever since. So that is the story of how I met Natasha, who is, man, she's doing the most. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Multifaceted. <laughs> Multifaceted. I mean, she's a single, a single mother of three with a bachelor's degree in psychology. She's an entrepreneur and the owner of Four Winds Real Estate Solutions. And this is my Watch sister. Watch out for my website. Watch out for your website. We could put that in the, uh, the show notes. Look at me trying to get, get tech. 
the show notes. Why do you? It's where you show notes, right? Absolutely. No pun intended. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very powerful, though. Um, I, I would personally like to say that, yes, throughout the, um, the journey of personal development and just researching, I would say that females are highly intelligent when it comes to business. Uh, is 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 very hard, especially when you have a isolated group such as that. When it's not predominantly male based, uh, you can typically get outbeat by a female because the way they put things together. I'm I'm not ashamed to say that uh, that females are highly intelligent, and that's that's a hell of a competition that you have. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly why I thought it was highly important. I, I was like, man, you know, me and Maurice, we had did this whole thing with the um, with uh, digesting different audio books on the go, and then we'll we'll have like a a mastermind about it. And I was like, man, we should kind of revisit this concept, but offer um, well, invite a female's perspective to the whole situation because you know when life gets in the way it, it kind of distracts you a little bit from the person you want to be like present circumstance, you know, can, can be somewhat of a distraction. So I was like, man, I, I knew Natasha needed, needed the realignment, you know, the recalibration of um, the higher consciousness, you know, staying at the highest level of consciousness. So I was like, man, once you get that compound effect, jump into it. And then we, uh, we have a discussion about some of the principles, man, and how we can apply that, you know, what it applies to and, and how we can apply it to future circumstance so that we always thinking in our best mind. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I said that too. I remember telling you that I think that my, my vocabulary has suffered because I've been at home so long with my babies. So everything I say is like three letter words, four letter words. No, don't stop. So <laughs> I don't remember college at this point. Yeah, but I, I want to be a um, perpetual learner, so I am back out here trying to figure it out all over again. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes that's what we need. We need that that push and that um, that support system that helps you stay on track. Uh, just even with us even talking about the compound effect, it's something that I, when I first read the book, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was uh something to implement uh, in your everyday life for a long term, you know, and just when me and Q start talking about the compound effect, I really seen that uh, this is very beneficial, especially when it comes to a mastermind group. But, you know, sometimes you, you like you, like you were saying, you get sidetracked, you, you know, life gets away. And that's something as far as the principles, that the compound effect uh, teaches, it, it kind of slowly, you know, left the thought process of what to do on a daily basis. And when he told me about even just this, you know, just digesting the book uh, within a, uh, a few episodes, it really made me revisit the book and saying, man, this is, this is something that I need to stay in tune with because it's, it's a lot of principles that, 
no matter if it's relationship wise, you know, uh, my spouse, uh, job wise, career wise, whatever the case might be, the compound effect is something that really can be implemented in a lot of things that you're doing. And sometimes that's all it takes is for us to keep it simple. You know, we over complex things and just get to thinking like it has to be more difficult. You know, you have to do more than what you're thinking about. But when you just revisit the things that you learned, it really helps you simplify things and say, okay, I, I need to stick to these key principles to be able to execute and uh, achieve some of my goals. And I mean, it's just the, it narrows down to the support system, you know, the, the consistency of us staying on top of those core principles to help you realize, okay, I'm getting sidetracked or I, I need to stay on top of this you know, because it's really going to help me reach my goals a lot faster. Right. Well, I felt that it was, um, it gives you like a roadmap in life, like things you need to focus on. And one of the major principles that um, he spoke about was um, being successful. And he was saying like how you can't be successful unless your family life is in order. So for me, that means to have my daughters in a routine of doing things daily so it's second nature to them so that I don't have to get up earlier than them and tell them, hey, it's time for you to get up. It's time for you to get breakfast. It's time for you to get dressed. Like I want those to be things that they already know to do on their own. So I've been working on getting them into a routine so that they can do those things. And I like the um, this concept he put together, which is preparation plus attitude plus opportunity, plus action leads to luck. And so I have found luck in doing those things and preparing my children. So I feel like by the time that they are five and six, I don't have to do the same thing every day, wake them up at five, get them dressed for the day. They can do those things on their own. So that leaves me more time to be able to go and do with whatever I need to do because I've squandered <laughs> enough time at this point. So that was something that I took from the first few chapters that I'm really like so um i only want to cover a couple of principles because it's a lot of meat and potatoes in this book um but i think we can have a discussion about a couple of things uh making small changes can can yield results like losing weight uh getting a promotion or um or thriving in a relationship i know myself when i joined toastmasters i made it a point to 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 listen more because I realized that I'm a talker and sometimes I, I'm, I'm, when I'm wrong, I don't, I don't necessarily like admitting it and I'm human and that's fine. But one of the things that I wanted to consciously work on was my ability to, to listen to other people and to listen intently, like try to take something valuable from what they're saying and add it to my experience or give them some meaningful feedback on, on their experience. So now in the compound effect of doing that several years now, I realize how much my wife cuts me off. <laughs> and it's like, come on, man, I'll let you speak for like an hour. Can I have a moment? Can I finish my thought? Or my mother, she would, if I'm giving her some input, uh, some feedback on something, she'll cut me off with a question that was going to be answered if she didn't cut me off. Like, come on, I think that's man. a female thing. I do that a lot too. Yeah, you know, just to piggyback off of what you were just saying is when it comes to 
the the concept of taking those small measurable changes uh, in life, it is something that you don't notice, you know, within the first couple of months or even the halfway mark for that matters. And sometimes we get discouraged and, and we start to think, you know, maybe this is not something that uh, uh, is for me or maybe it's something that I need to change. And, you know, long-term you get sidetracked, you know, just like what we were talking about. And you start to drift off of the, the present goal, especially when you don't have that support system or you don't have someone that can connect with you on that level. You tend to get distracted, but for those that can stay consistent, even though you don't see it, you, you do your research, you understand that, okay, it's going to take time. It hard work uh, is involved in and slowly, uh, even past that halfway mark or even close to the end mark, you slowly start to see those changes. You got to stay consistent with it because that's, that's ultimately what's going to bring you that success. Um, and, and even afterward, you know, reaching that quote unquote goal, you still have to stay consistent because just as hard as it was to get to that point and, and you think that that's it, you, you still got to keep up with it. And I, I really think that that's, that's, that's key to the whole concept of the compound effect. And I do like how he said that we are living in a, a age where things need to happen overnight. So people do have a microwave mentality. So I'm watching the news and my views have been, become distorted on what success is because I'm watching TV all the time. So I believe that I can lose 30 pounds in 30 days. Like I, I truly believe that because that's what I'm being told from the TV that I'm watching all day, not paying attention to the fact that I'm sitting in front of a TV which can't teach me very much in the first place. I'm sitting there, I'm not doing anything, gaining that weight, <laughs> killing brain cells. And the whole time I'm over here like, yeah, I'm gonna lose these 30 pounds. I'm gonna grow my hair overnight. And then I'm gonna look young tomorrow just because that's what I'm being told. Yeah. And it's just all false, it's all false. And when I don't see results, I'm ready to give up everything. Become depressed, I, I wanna sulk, all that. So I do understand where he's saying that consistency is the biggest key to success and those smart choices that we make consistently over time, we will see huge rewards. That is the final outcome, rewards and success. But nobody's willing to hold on until we get to that point. But I am. I am now. So we just need to eradicate bad, bad habits. <laughs> yeah, Man. I, I definitely uh, agree with that. And I remember... Uh, kind of like a, a quote that he said uh, within the book about we make a lot of decisions unconsciously and we have to become more conscious of what we do and say. So even going back of what you was talking about with watching TV uh, and you see like these significant results within 30 days, it unconsciously make you think like uh, since they're showing it 30 days from from when they started, you have to have the same results. It has to happen to you the same exact way. But, you know, sometimes we we kind of forget about the whole uh, graphs uh, of how you, you even catch people's attention. So, of course, uh, we're all human. How we're wired, 
we want fast results. And it, he, he was key with the microwave effect. Uh, just you want to be able to, if, if you can have a Thanksgiving dinner, uh, put it all in a microwave versus waiting for hours, putting it in the oven. And, and what? The Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, who, who wouldn't want that instant gratification? But, you know, that's, that's one of the main problems. We miss the concept of just the time and the effort that it takes for you to have something uh, that you can sit down and enjoy versus just that instant gratification. I mean, and that's really where we have to get more conscious of what we do and how we do it because it's affecting us when we see those things and not even realizing it because that's how we're fed the information. It's discouraging to see that on TV. Like I'm looking at this skinny woman and in 30 days she lost all that weight. Why am I not losing that weight in 30 days like she did? First we of don't all, take she into was, account the way our bodies are made up either. First of all, she's a model. And <laughs> <laughs> she, there, I mean, nobody, I, I heard this quote uh, many years ago. I forget who said, but it was like, man, nobody has ever gone broke underestimating the intelligence of the American public. And it's very important for you to understand that a lot of the stuff you see on TV is not real. You know, it's, it's all about framing so that they can make the most everybody if you're on tv well I'll, I'll just say 10 years ago if you was on tv the objective the number one objective was to make some type of um revenue i mean you got people that just want to be famous for the sake of being famous but you know it, it used to be especially let's just say if you're selling something if you're selling an idea a service or a product you're trying to get people to buy into it um, so that you can create income. So weight loss is no different. Like the, the supplement business, that shit is like a multi-trillion dollar industry, you know, and, and, and most of it, like 85% of it, don't, don't look up my statistics, but, um, a lot of that uh, stuff is not even like clinically proven. It's just people, they, they, they understand the power of marketing, the power of the science of marketing. You know what I'm saying? Like, creating something very attractive, whether it's physical, uh, colorful, uh, well lit, you know, it's all about that frame. So I think everything is on point. Like y'all was saying, um, I know I was a victim of that shit myself. Like when I did a, um, weight loss challenge, you knew me when I was doing the weight loss challenge, Maurice, um, man, I had lost like 67 pounds just going in. Like, and I was consistently not drinking, drinking number water, working out, eating fruit, vegetable, doing everything I know I should do. And I seen the benefit of it. But then when I didn't get the, uh, the, um, the result of what I thought I should have gotten, the compound effects started working against me on that. So those small actions I started doing, um, like incorporating alcohol back into my life, um, uh, I would say composite material, composite food products. It's not even like real food, but just food products. Like, you know, shit just made with like a thousand ingredients. Then I started gaining my way back. So it was like, man, whether you, it's a sliding scale, whether you're doing the right stuff or the wrong stuff, it's going to show, it's going to show some way. And, you know, you just got to, again, going back to where we say, you know, being conscious about your decision making, 
making decisions with your eyes wide open, you know, so that, you know, you always have like the best result or the, the preferred result instead of, you know, that result. And then that whole, that whole situation just started doing a number on the chemistry. And then there goes the downhill or uphill from it. Sounds like the ripple effect. <laughs> That's what he was talking about too. Either those small changes that you are making contribute to your good behaviors and you become successful from it, or they contribute to your negative mentality and you fail because of it. So mm. you have to always be mindful. And it's so hard to think about what you're thinking about. It's exhausting. <laughs> But you really have to. Yep. There's no new fundamentals, as Jim Rohn would say. Okay. So you want to talk about the penny, the magic penny? Yeah. And it's funny because I do like your segue, uh, well, your, your pickup to the, um, before, before that, though, that was, that was dope. Thanks. But yeah, the magic penny. I remember... You did this in a speech before, right, Reese? Because I I, can, I remember you talking about the magic penny in the open form in one of the speeches you did in the past. Yeah, it, it was more of a um, uh, taking the content from that information. I mean, it's it's, it's not like uh, the compound effect introduced a new way of of how this information was already created. Uh, it was just more so. Uh, repeated information, you know, before reading, reading the compound effect, I never heard of the magic penny, but uh, I slowly start to grasp some of the concepts that others have uh, taken from this same exact concept. And it, it's just something that I, I kind of put my own little twist to it when I did a speech on it, but I, I love the con, the, the, magic penny it's either you want that instant gratification or you understand what it takes for you to slowly make those uh changes in life to help you reach a higher goal than something that you can just put in the microwave take out because anybody knows that if you were to fix something in the microwave versus fixing something in the oven it's a completely different taste one might give you a faster result than the other, but is it healthier for you? You know, is it going to give you that same exact taste? You know, those are the things that we need to consider with the whole concept of the magic penny. Would you rather take a penny that doubles every single day for the next 31 days or $3 million? Instantly, you think, why wouldn't I take that, you know, uh, $3 million? It makes sense. Even when you go to break it down even more, that magic penny that was one cent the first day turned to $5.12 on the 10th day. Okay, and you, you're still thinking like, okay, why would this make sense if I could get $3 million the day that you presented to me? Right now. Right you now. Know, the further you go along with it, you know, that, that 20th day, you're at five thousand, over five thousand dollars. You know, so it's it's still a, a big difference from a penny, but still doesn't measure up to, to three million dollars. On that thirtieth day, you didn't pass three million dollars, and that's not to say that you reached the end goal because that five million dollars 
is going to double on that next day, which is over $10 million. So I I just love that concept because, you know, uh, the vast majority of people in life, they're going to go for that $3 million. And and the faster that you uh, look for results like that, you almost can get rid of what you have received just even faster because you want that instant gratification. I like this story because that title, The Magic Penny, could easily become the consistent penny and still have the exact same outcome because although the penny was doubling over those 31 days and you could have taken that $3 million, it became $10.7 million and you didn't pull ahead until the very last day. And that's important because um, I remember this quote from Martin Luther King, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy controversy (laughs) (laughs) those words but that just spoke to me because it's like we could easily cash out today you know just take whatever's being given to us because it's right in front of us right now today but if you hold on and be patient and consistent in your efforts then your success will be that much greater I don't think it's a a mystery why somebody could win $100 million in a lottery, but then 10 years now, you hear about them being broke again. And it's like that whole, what's that, instant instant mentality, y'all say? Instant gratification. Instant gratification. Yeah, man. It's like, I I think it's it's something about consistency. It's just a certain type of wisdom that comes with disciplining your, uh, yourself to be consistent and, and, and constant with with the, uh, a good habit. When I heard about the sister that kept bailing her her guy out of jail um, for like millions of dollars at a time, I'm like, man, first of all, as soon as you hit it big, you he should, you should have been ghost. You know what, what? I mean? <laughs> really? Like you're encouraging that. <laughs> that's that's the fundamental difference between working for something, um, because for one, to be successful with anything you do, it's going to require persistent and consistent effort. A lot of people that get things over overnight tend to lose it because they don't have a principle. They don't have an underlying principle that that's going to kick in automatically to uh, make sure that they um, continue to uh, preserve what they have. So yeah, that was a good that was a good example of uh, that. Magic Penny is a good example of all that. Absolutely, and and even going back to when you guys was talking about luck, a lot of people uh, use that word in vain, meaning that, you know, you're so lucky or the only reason you, you got that success is because of luck, you know, depending on who you are, how you look at that word, you know, uh, which I I love that Dan Hardy spoke a lot about uh, the word luck, even uh, Richard Branson, you know, he, he loved to say that I I was lucky, you know, everybody is lucky. Uh, Only a few, only a, Few people take advantage of it, though, which um, uh, I love the acronym that uh, I picked up a little while back, uh, luck being uh, labor under correct knowledge, you know, and and the reason that I love that is because you're you're taking what's known uh, the definition uh, of the word luck to a whole different concept, to a whole nother level, because you know, uh, just thinking about a person saying that the word luck commit 
mean to a lot of people that, okay, well, since they was lucky, it's no purpose of me even trying. That formula really breaks down to what you do with that luck. And he did cite those key principles of what Natasha was talking about. The uh, preparation, uh, which is one, two being attitude, three being opportunity, and four being action. You put all four of those key principles together, you will be lucky. Well, I don't, I don't too much subscribe to the concept of luck. I would like to say that I'm blessed. So, um, I've, I've had a favorite. Had a favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had a lot of lessons. Like, um, again, with just my children, um, because of the way that I carry myself, I do believe that my children have picked up my my good habits and. They're very loyal. They're very honest. They are selfless. And my, my daughters are just unbelievable. Like my oldest, she's 11. She's so great. I'm almost scared like because she's so good right now at 11. Like she does what she's supposed to do. She goes where she's supposed to go. I don't have to question her a million times because I know she's going to do the right thing. And I, I do appreciate those blessings because like I said, it allows me the opportunity to have more time to focus on my individual success. And that becomes even more important because it makes no it makes no sense for me to become successful and have all this money and not have anyone who I can actually pass down my business to. So I'm working as hard as I can right now today to make her the person that she needs to be in the future to take over a business and make maintain her own family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Luck equals preparation, attitude, opportunity, and action. Attitude and gratitude, baby. That's what this what it's all about. And preparation. I have a story how that works in both ways. Go ahead. When people are around you and they see how happy you are. They don't people who are always depressed, they don't like that and they don't like to deal with you. I started working for the state in January. I was working for Department of Human Services. I would show up every morning. 30 minutes before I was supposed to be on the clock because I left out super early. I like to be in the car and listen to a record, well, not a record, but a, a CD, the whole ride to work and all that good stuff. So I was, li- I would be listening to um, Fallout Boys Mania, the whole ride to work. So when I got to work, I was ready. I was lit. Like, come on, let's get these 200 people up in here. Let's get them to see these caseworkers. And my, my, my um, manager, she would always ask me, what are you drinking? Water. Like, that's the only thing I ever had in my cup was water. But I have been up since 5 o'clock. I have been to the gym. I've fed my baby's breakfast. I've had a conversation with them. I'm leaving out the door in more than enough time. Although there was an accident on my way to work, I avoided it. I'm here safely. I'm still happy. I'm healthy. I'm ready to work. And she didn't like it. She didn't like it. She's like, "You're, you're way too loud. You have all this energy. And, like, she would always try to send me to get her coffee. I'm like, no, that won't do anything for me. I'm just here and ready to work. We got 200 people in this line. Let's get this line down. And it, it was like she every everything that I tried to create to make the work environment better and make these people, you know, more um, pleasant standing in this line in the cold. She would she would always negate that. Always negate that. And that after after so long, that did start to kill my attitude. And I, I was just quiet after a while. I'm just come to work. I'm going to do my job and I'm going to go home. What a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I won't call her that, but. Sometimes you got to call evil. a spade a spade, man. She is pure evil. 
She is pure evil. So how you gonna say somebody's pure evil but they not a bitch? Like, come on now. It's it's all in her attitude, you know. Come on now. She's trying to be optimistic about it, even though she has First of all, you ain't gonna have no publications on the walls in the workplace saying if you're exhibiting flu like symptoms, please stay home <laughs> and not be able to take away if you feeling bitchy. Please stay home. You sick leave. Don't come to work. Right. Infecting other people Spreading with that, that stuff disease. You know, it'd be nice if we can have some type of uh, virtual uh, status above our heads saying our mood so you know how to <laughs> how to conduct my yourself. My face around. always told my mood. I always had a smile on, even though it was like a, the filthiest place I've ever worked. I mean, people coming in there with lice. They had bed bugs. We service the homeless and the mentally disabled people, the population of Chicago. So dealing with those people already, you don't know their mental state. I'm nice to everybody. If John walk up in here prepared to shoot it up today because he's having a bad day, I want John to overlook me. So I'm, I'm going to be nice to him. I'm going to treat him like a person. And that was something she lacked. She didn't know how to treat people respectfully. And even when it came down to like education, I asked her one time about this one job. And I'm like, what is that about? And she was like, it's not something you would be able to do because you have to have a degree to work this position. Mm. Like what? Because I'm a black girl, you think I don't have a degree? Like it was so disrespectful. Was she black? No. Oh. No, do you think she would be black saying that to me? No. She didn't understand. She, she could not read body language because if she had, she would have stayed away from me. So I just, I ended up just not returning there <laughs> because I knew it would have been a conflict later on. Because I can only take so much. You have to know thyself. You're not always going to be put in an ideal situation to where you're going to be able to work with somebody of the ideal uh, makeup. You know, somebody is not going to have the ideal attitude that you think they should have in the ideal environment, you know, that's culture and well-tempered, you know, you ain't going to get that. And I think when you understand that it's different variables that, that, that feed into your energy and you can recognize it, and then you can make a smart decision, which in your case, you decided that, you know, it just wasn't worth uh, working in an environment that would still 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 your soul you know soul stealing I'll go home to my kids and I'm, I'm putting that venom into them because i'm angry from the day exactly. that i've had exactly. and it's not even the customers it's the person who's there consistently the boss the manager who should be spreading the most joy showing up with cookies and cheese sticks for the for, for her um employees no, i mean that's 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 the goal of a manager a manager is supposed to create an environment to where their subordinates, their charges can thrive. That's their only fucking function is to make sure they provide an environment that's going to promote your attitude being the best that it can be so that you can give that, that ultimate customer service experience for the people that's coming up in there. But right. you're right. I think any, and you know, you see a lot of that shit in state and federal government because there's Ooh, real- favoritism. There's no, well, yeah, obviously, like nepotism, cronyism, favoritism, there's no obvious repercussion or a disciplinary system to weed out those weeds uh, because there's, there's no bottom line to adhere to. Like in private industry, when you, when you have a bottom line that, um, that 
that um that determines the the viability of your uh, and the sustainability of your company, you always want to be conscious of um of feeding that positive um environment and behaviors into your workforce. You know, but again, if something don't work for you, by all means make the smart decision and decide to go work somewhere else. I mean, we still have that as a choice. Yeah, in the book, Darren Hardy spoke about um people finding their core values also and he said, let that govern you. And I, I do believe that that's something that will um, make you even more successful because I, myself, I know I'm loyal. I know I'm honest. I know I display integrity at all times. I'm very selfless. And so I, I would like to send, you know, surround myself with people who are the same way. And when I decide to start hiring people to work under me, they need to be the face of my company. And that means that they need to display all of those characteristics as well. I don't want somebody who's in here, you know, coming to work for me and they're lying. They always have a bad attitude. They're very selfish. They have zero integrity. They have a zero tolerance for other people treating them with respect. I don't want that. So I make sure that I am, I, I try as hard as I can be to be approachable. I mean, but people always say I have a mean face. It's, it's just my um, rest of bitch face. I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> down inside I'm a really nice person so I mean I just don't I don't want to surround myself with people who are all for self you know and then get myself to becoming selfish because I've been screwed over so much and then just have this negative attitude all the time I don't want that so I, I push it away and people who are like that I try to push them away too yeah people are always texting me you don't answer my calls yeah because I blocked you yeah that was on purpose it was when I joined the army, I was so scared that everything was going to be different when I came back. The world would be a different color. Like, I was just so scared. And at that point, I had my daughter. My daughter was, she had just turned one when I left for basic. And the day that I left for basic training, everybody in the building was sitting on the front porch, kicking it, talking crap. And when I came, the day I came back from basic and from AIT, everyone was still on the front porch talking crap. So I had absolutely nothing. Nobody grew. Nobody had went to college and got a degree. Nobody even enrolled in school. Nothing changed. My daughter got a little bit taller. She stopped sucking the pacifier. She left the bottle alone. Those were the only changes that I witnessed when I came home. Nothing else changed. Yeah, it is. Can we talk about this, uh, that Thanksgiving notebook? Because I really like that, too. Let's talk about it. The um, Thanksgiving journal that uh, Darren kept for his wife. So he said for um, one year, he wrote down at least one thing that he appreciated about his wife every day. And then on Thanksgiving, the following year, he gave her the notebook and he had bought her a BMW that same year. And she said that the, the notebook was more important and more special than that BMW. Like, and that, that means a lot because um, as a woman, I feel that men, they, they lose a soul fast just because they don't appreciate who we are and I know like for myself after I had my kids I was lazy I didn't want to do anything I can't lie to nobody my baby cried constantly I was just depressed and I wasn't supported through that like my um my relationship was all bad so I lost myself in that because I was only a mother at that point in time and I could not be a spouse because I just felt overwhelmed so something like this a kind gesture like that I think it would have changed the whole world for me mm. Yeah, that was real powerful. I, I 
I love that uh, what he did with the whole uh, Thanksgiving, you know, just uh, writing something positive. Well, I believe it was three things uh, that he seen that was positive about his wife every single day up until Thanksgiving. And yeah, it's those small things, you know, tying back to the compound effect, you know, every single day adding up. And then at the end of the year, you got uh, 365 days of positivityness. And you did I just make up a word, positivity? Absolutely. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's definitely uh, something real valuable. And but it starts off with those small things. And I remember he said that um, uh, just ask and do an elephant bite versus a mosquito mm. you know uh, you might see something real big and get scared of it but it's those small little things that makes an effect on us but mm -hmm. you know even with the every single day doing something just what i say to write three different things uh, about somebody positive would take three minutes if that you know everybody got three minutes out of their time but it makes such a big impact because he even spoke about he had an unconscious thing with he just seen so many good things in his wife, which that's what we need to value anyway. You know, these materialistic things, like you said with the BMW, is something that's materialistic. You know, it's not something that we can take with us when we're gone or that you can even have with you at all times. You know, when you're going to sleep, you're not sleeping in the BMW, I, I would hope. But, you know, with that book, or that that uh that piece that he put together for for uh Thanksgiving, it was real powerful because you know that's something real valuable. You know, it's it's like uh, us taking pictures. You know, it's is pictures are priceless, but the value behind the memories and you know looking back to see what uh what was created or how we were, you know, that that's that's more value uh valuable than anything you know anything that's materialistic and i, I love it i i even tried to, to do the same concept when i first read the book i went through a path of writing something positive about, uh, with my wife uh every single day and to be completely transparent i wasn't consistent with it <laughs> it's it just one of those things that i started i i kind of forgot about it and you know just tying back to what we were saying that uh when you have that support system that help you stay on track, sometimes it reminds you of what you need to stay uh, focused on. And even uh, talking about this, it makes me say, okay, I, I think I want to, you know, try to implement that concept again, because I do see uh, value in uh, just being able to, it, it, it doesn't even go down to just writing something positive about your wife. It's, it's really narrowed down to, having a positive attitude about something and staying consistent with it, you know, uh, self-development, the more consistent you are with it, you start to notice uh, the negative things that's, that you're surrounded by. You know, like I, I remember um, even like when it comes to the news, uh, uh, CNN, uh, depending on who you are, uh, it, it's an acronym that can stand for constant negative news. And, you know, when we look at uh, this news, their market solely 
uh, it's based off around negativity because as humans, we're drawn towards negativity. You know, think about a certain product or, you know, uh, something that you want to purchase. If you go online and you see something negative, you're going to click on that first. Whether you, you, you heard an opinion about something or you have an opinion about it yourself or going to it uh, with a negative thought on it. If you see something negative uh, that pops up on the, on the top of the screen, you're going to go, go towards that first because that's how we're wired. You know, we, we've been hardwired with negativity. You know, if it's something negative, I want to see that first before I see the positive, you know, but fight. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we have to, we have to switch that around, but it it does take the, the constant, uh, you just have to stay conscious and be consistent with, uh, doing something positive is, is something as simple as writing something positive about your wife, your significant other, or anybody for that case. It helps you stay in a positive mindset and, and stay optimistic about things. I agree. I agree. Two things I want to add um, to that. I say that uh, when I was making a lot less money than I make now, I used to rationalize doing something uh, with my wife and kids when we didn't particularly have the money for it. So it's like, damn, man, you know, this 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 experience is going to cost a, a lot of money, and and then I would immediately self-talk myself and say, Quentin, now, when you look back on this situation, are you going to look at how much it cost you or are you going to look at the experience that, you, that it made with you and your kids and your wife? You know, and so now I can tell you as many times as I said that in the past, I've never once when I look, thought about, look back on those experiences, thought about how much money it was. The only time I thought about the money is when I use it in an anecdote like this. And I don't even recall how much I spent. I just remember that I didn't have step uh, an experience because I was trying to be conservative with the pocket. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I'm not going to just be crazy frivolous either. But um, number two, that whole concept of, you know, being hardwired to look for the negativity I'm going to be honest. When I go on Amazon to look up a product, I go right to the negative reviews, but I start to evaluate the negative reviews. I'm like, man, is this person evaluating the quality of the product or the quality of the shipping or some other um, concept non-related to the product? Because usually most people uh, experience is not really uh, wired to the actual product they, they got is it, wired to some kind of a company and experience that, that was unpleasant for them. And then, then I'll go up to the, uh, the more positive reviews. So even still, like when you look at negativity, it's important to be conscious about why you're looking at it and what you look, what, what's the takeaway from, uh, uh, indulging in that experience. You know what I mean? So, I mean, again, I'm not trying to go against my, my nature, to um well i am going against the nature of trying to go to the positive instead of the negative but i make a conscious decision to that if i'm going to announce the negative i have to assess it and then i have to assess why i'm um why i'm in this experience and then move on uh to to, uh, a more positive one but that's me 
compound effect still that just shows you it's not always exciting getting to the final step sometimes it's boring because i hate to sit there and have to debate whether or not i can do something most of the time i'm always like fuck these bills i'm taking me my kids to the circus like <laughs> go to the movies like it'll be okay because those bills will still be there but my children are growing every day like, they need experiences it just means I need to work a little harder, but today, fuck that, I'm going to movies. <laughs> and obviously, you know, you want to get to a point where, uh, you know, don't wish things were easier, wish you was better. So, you know, me, I was like, man, you know, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you an, exp uh, an example of uh, the compound effect and, and just how, like, the whole, having the mindset, like, the compound effect is more of a, uh, it's more of a psychology that you take on to get to a certain point. But then, you, you know, you have to have a participating mindset to even, you know, uh, engage in the whole compound effect, right? You have to be willing to do it. You have to be accountable. So I remember when I first started Social Security, true story, um, we had a woman that had been there for like maybe 10 years. And let's say the position that I came in, uh, I was making like uh, $33,000 a year. Me and all the people that started at the same time, we was making about thirty three grand, which is not a lot of money. But we looked at it as a, um, a foot in the door for uh, an opportunity to take us to the next level. So clearly, clearly, this woman was not of the mindset that I was uh, going to take the path of uh, being a part of in the future. So she's, she's telling us, she was like, man, she was like, look, honey. I mean, she was flashy. She was one of them tomboy chicks that just kind of like never came out of it. You know, like she was completely hetero, but she just dressed, you know, like a nice guy. <laughs> you know? Like she was, she was fly all the time, man. Like she had beats by Dre, you know, she was into all that shit. So anyway, she was bragging to us about, how much money she makes after overtime. Like, you know, technically she made um, a, a few thousand dollars more than us uh, base salary, but then she was clocking in like 55 hours, 60 hours a week. And she was making like, so after all that over uh, a 12 month period, she was making probably like 50 grand a year. And I'm like, damn, man. Um, and, you know, and, and she being braggadocious about it. Now me, I'm just being inquisitive. I'm like, I have like a childlike enthusiasm when I ask certain questions of things that just don't make sense to me. So I'm like, man, I'm looking at like, it's ways to make money horizontally and vertically. I'm more encouraged by the vertical, uh, climbing the vertical ladder because that way I get to make more money for my time without giving you extra time. And so I was like, well, why wouldn't you take all that extra time and energy? I, this is something I asked her. Why wouldn't you take all that extra time and energy, or at least some of it, and put that into preparing yourself to get promoted to, um, to another level so you don't have to work that many hours? And literally, she asked me to leave. And, and that was the last time I had a conversation with her. And that, that happened 10 years ago. I mean, I'm not even there in that agency period anymore but that just goes to show you like in nine years we it, it was instances where we would be in the elevator in the morning coming in or going home and there would be not a word spoken you know it's like 
damn, the truth hurt you that damn bad. I don't want to be anywhere like that. That's that's just all bad. So because I, I've asked you a thought-provoking question, you are now upset with me? Like, why? And like how you said you have that childlike enthusiasm, I do too. So when people are telling me things, I will ask a really hard question. But it's like, if you haven't given your idea much thought, is it really a good idea? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to hurt me feelings, but just asking a question. Real shit. Mm-hmm. You know, some people can't take on a, a new mindset if they've never been taught that, though. So they are just like robots operating according to what the schedule was that they were given. So it's like you you know when you finish school, you go to work, and then you do the same thing you did at school. You're going to sit in front of this instructor, instructor and be, be given all the directions that you need in order to make your day as successful as you possibly can. But, you know, it, it's people like us who need to think outside the box. And then there's people like them who we hire. Yeah, absolutely. And God bless them because everybody got to work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. People just don't. I mean, a lot of people just don't have the wherewithal to be an entrepreneur. So I completely understand. And I'll give you another antidote. So when me and Reese was doing that, uh, the cash flow game meetup, you know, I was enjoying the experience so much. Man, I was looking forward to it. We came up with a fly ass uh, promotional graphic. You know, we was doing these Facebook groups. Like really trying to put energy into it, right? And um, and then I, I would say like in April, I was like, wait a minute, I can't let 2017 close out without at least trying to get a property of my own based on the principles that I'm learning with this game. I was like, because to me it was like that's where preparation and attitude, you know, started to meet action. I'm like, there's no freaking way that I can consciously sit here talking about it and don't start walking in that direction. And long story short, that was me. That was the beginning of me becoming an investor. Action orientation. And that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's funny how that works. Cause I mean, it's, it, it, it all ties into what, what are you surrounding yourself by, you know, and uh, at point and, and, and as far as success, you want it to be an unconscious thing, even though we were talking about earlier that, you know, uh, when you do things unconsciously, it could be bad, but that's only because uh, we're so used to uh, being surrounded by negativity and we're so used to just uh, the vast majority of people uh, just wanting that instant gratification and things just not working in our favor, but no different from the, uh, the analogy of you learning how to tie your shoe, you know, when you first, uh, when you're a kid and you first learn how to tie your shoe, you consciously have to think about it. You consciously have to, I put the loop here, tie both of these and I'm, I'm good. But eventually unconsciously you could do it without even thinking about it. You can do it while you're talking to somebody else, or you can hurry up and do it without even looking, uh, so to speak. And as far as success, we want that to be, be an unconscious thing. And I think, you know, that kind of implanted in, in Q's head that uh, as far as this real estate, this cash flow thing that we're doing unconsciously, I can't let this year close out without me having a property. You know, at first it was a conscious thing, but it became a, a something that, I have to have this, you know, this is That's something, that, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, uh, 
practicing this in real life, you know, simulating it in real life, I have to get to that before this year ends, you know? So, but it might've not even happened if we would, wasn't actively doing this together. If we wasn't actively, you know, trying to see how could we uh, bring the concept of this cash flow, this game, uh, in our real life scenario, you know, real time. So I, I mean, I think that's real powerful to surround yourself with like minds. And uh, speaking of the compound effect, sometimes it takes for you know months to pass by before that concept can really grasp in your head to to take actions in it. You said a lot with that one, man, because. That's exactly every, everything you just said was pitch perfect. Had not been willing to participate in that experience with you, I probably would have never had that that uh, that desire incepted in my mind. But but just again, surrounding surrounding yourself with the correct people, having the correct mind state, uh, and, and wanting to do something more than what you're already doing. Everything like I tell my kids, it's okay. Just start walking in the direction that you think you want to go. Because two things are going to happen. One, not only will things start to move out the way for you, but things that to help you get to the next level will start falling in front of you at the same time. So that's, that's compounding right there. It's like when you're doing what you're supposed to do and to achieve what you want to achieve, the negative shit is going to get out your way. And then all the positive stuff is just going to start becoming easier to attend like man it's like i'm highly favored as you say i'm blessed you know and and to me that's the real concept like man i can't i can't tell you enough like i'm i'm having conversations with the alderman and the principal of my uh, kids school to incorporate the um the uh cash flow game into the um as an after school program that would you know? be dope yeah i mean on the days that i work from home I'll just go up to the school and then have a couple of hours with the game. And I, I, I was talking to Reese about it because, again, I like the way that he moderates the game, the way that he breaks down concepts. Because um, that way, if we do it together, we can eventually uh, create something more, you know, show other people how to do this, and then just kind of franchise it out as a developmental tool that we use um, until we eventually brand it into something else. Yeah, I like how you said just start walking in the direction you think you want to go into because I know when I graduated from high school, when I started college, I didn't know what I wanted to go to college for. And then after taking um, my prerequisites, I was like, I think I want to get into criminal justice. So I started taking all these criminal justice classes, and then I even applied for Department of Corrections. And then I saw how real it could be when I started watching all these lockdown shows. I'm like, no, I don't want to get beat up. No, I don't want feces thrown at me. No, I don't want no urine in my face. So I changed it, and I thought maybe I wanted to go into business. So I switched my major to business. I took a few courses, and I was like, no, this is so dry. Like, it's so boring. And then I ended up switching to psychology. And I was like, oh, this is dope. This is so deep. I like it all. And then now that I have my bachelor's in psychology, I've learned that I can get a master's in industrial organizational psychology, and it's basically telling people how to run their businesses and I'll be just observing the workplace for the most part and getting paid top dollar like somebody who who's a business owner, a but it's still like a level above them. Yes. I'd rather be paid uh, to talk about how I can help you or the psychology of uh, getting you to the next level instead of actually going, mm -hmm. you know, 
Right, because sometimes it's simply that business owners don't have the time or they don't they don't care to read about how they can take their company to the next level. They just want to hire somebody who can who they can bring in the door. Like, show me what I need to do to make my workplace more productive and how I can make my employees happy and what I need to do to get to the next level in this industry. And like I said, that's me. Even even if I um don't pursue the actual master's degree, I think with the PMP I'll get the same outcome where I'm knowledgeable enough to just know where to go to read because that's really all it is, a lot of research, and I'll be able to get the same results. That's what's up. So I think this is good. Um, we're going to just try to, at this in this segment, we're going to try to just give some takeaways. I have so many. Huh? That I have so many. You have so many? Well, you know what? Uh, at least, let's just say three to five, okay? okay? Three to five. So let me let me check my energy because it's like I need to go eat now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Straight up. Um, all right, so some takeaways, key takeaways. Mine, I would say that small choices and actions matter. Just like black economics matter, so do small choices and actions um, also full responsibility, taking full responsibility and being accountable for your actions. You know, that's definitely a takeaway and the understanding of that habits do stick. Anything that you put energy into, you know, you want to create a habit. I would suggest trying to do it for at least uh, three weeks. Um, if you can commit yourself to 21 days of doing something, you, that, that's the foundation of creating a new habit. Uh, some of the lessons that I would like for people to take away is um, when you come up with a new life goal, it's important to make it into a daily habit until it becomes habitual. Um, you want to create a routine where you can stick to it, um, but have it be manageable. Don't 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 create um, don't create goals that are too lofty because you you run the risk of not making them a habit because um, you you probably won't stick to them. If I say I want to lose fifty pounds in in um in, in six weeks, that may not be realistic. You know, the amount of output would jeopardize my consistency, you know, and you want to do something, you're trying to create a habit. So it's, it's best to take small bites out of um, an overall overarching goal. And the last thing that I want to impress is that, you know, use your motivation to push you through the limits uh, until you hit your goals. You know, you always got to wake up every day you wake up. You got to have something. You got to remind yourself of what you're doing it for. You got to be conscious. You got to keep feeding that that vision. Get your ass a vision board if you need. But <clears throat> overall, that's what I wanted to offer in this segment. So what about you, Natasha? Um, I would like to say find your motivation. Focus on disciplining yourself in order to get to the stage you want to be in in life to the final outcome forget instant gratification and I always believe in bringing about change by speaking your truth into power mm. Reese yeah I, I really for me it, I would have to say it narrows down to um, the four principles that he was talking about with luck uh, and uh, one being preparation two being attitudes uh, three being opportunity and four being action. I mean, all all four of those can be broken down uh, to 
really take into consideration what needs to be done, you know, as far as preparation, attitude, how are you approaching things? How, how are you uh, considering? I, I love how the Thanksgiving tracking, you know, that he did. As long as you stay positive, uh, have something positive to, to do and say every single day, unconsciously you're going to be able to implement that without even thinking about it. And of course, even with those two things, opportunity is going to present itself, you know, as far as the third step. Opportunities is going to be there because you're walking into the direction that you're supposed to have for yourself as far as the goals that you want to reach, you know, eliminating those people that you don't want to be around or don't need to be around. At the end of the day, taking all of those, putting it into action, you know, you have to go and do it. You know, it's, it's one thing to say that I got a vision board. It's one thing to say that uh, I got these goals in life, period. But what are you doing with it? Word up. Well, I definitely appreciate uh, my brother and my sister for joining me, and I look forward to this. I think uh, a good uh, follow-up would definitely be uh, spending more time on um, the concept of future value, present value, and planning and preparation. But, um, again, thank you guys for your time. I appreciate you both. And we will get in tune sooner than later.